Welcome to Work Your Way Up, a podcast channel for everyone thriving and striving to climb up the corporate ladder. You'll hear about the wins, challenges, what ifs, and could have beens of people coming from different career paths. Join Angel as she shares insights from guests and from her own corporate adventure. If you're ready to take your career to the next level, let's get started. Hi everyone, it's Angel here and welcome back again to Work Your Way Up, the place where young leaders and aspiring leaders go to for actionable tips and insights on career management and progression. If you're here to know more about what you can do to climb up the ladder, be it by managing your boss or clients, managing your colleagues or your own self, then you've come to the right place. Today's episode is the eighth episode of this podcast, and this is actually a special episode for me because I have surpassed the seven-episode itch for new podcasters. Woohoo! <laughs> for those who don't know what it means, it's actually very similar to seven-year itch in relationships. You know, where people have observed couples breaking up during the seventh year of the relationship. I don't know what's the curse or the spell behind that, but I know that a lot of people kind of go through that. And I personally know some couples as well who broke up on their seventh year. So we actually have something like that in the podcasting world too. And we call that the seventh episode itch. So for new podcasters, it was observed that most new podcasters stop releasing episode after the seventh episode. I'm not really sure what's the particular reason behind it, but it could be due to a lot of factors. Number one could be because they've run out of topics, especially if the podcast is very niche or very specific, um, or maybe they've just lost the momentum in creating it, um, something happened in their personal life, or... Maybe they're not happy with the traction or the progress of the podcast. It could be due to a lot of reasons. But it was really observed that a lot of new podcasters can't sustain creating more content after the seventh episode. And this is why this episode for me is very special. Not only it marks me surpassing that seventh episode itch for new podcasters, it also means that... I have been creating content and releasing podcast episodes for eight straight weeks. Now, for you guys, it might sound just something very easy, doable, but there's so much time and effort and energy behind creating podcasts and releasing episodes from drafting the layout of what you're going to talk about, doing the research, doing the recording itself, and the editing. The editing for me is actually the most challenging. So it takes so much time, effort, and energy. And me being able to sustain that for eight straight weeks is a big thing. And the reason is simple. I'm usually the type of person who has trouble sustaining something. It could also be because of my personality profile. So I have mentioned in the past that in the DISC profiling system, I have a dominant profile, which means that this type of profile, one of the weaknesses of this person is that um, they would have trouble doing anything that's routinary. So that is why it's extra challenging for me to do something repeatedly. Like even if I'm covering different topics or I'm doing something very differently for the week, 
that just the thought of doing it over and over again is kind of challenging. But I knew that I wanted to create this podcast and I really just love sharing insights and tips to everyone. And I was really hoping to sustain it. And now I'm on my eighth episode. One big realization I had in relation to me being able to sustain creating content and podcast for eight straight weeks is what I've learned from the book Atomic Habits by James Clear. Now, as mentioned to you, it's extra challenging for me to do something routinary. That means it's extra challenging for me to adapt to new habits or even break bad habits or habits that I just want to stop doing. But what I learned from this book is that I had two very wrong beliefs about habits before. Before, I usually think that if I want to build a habit, let's say creating podcasts or let's say losing weight, I used to believe that any goal or any habit that I want to embrace are founded on two important things. First is that I need to have enough motivation every day. Second is I need to focus on my end goal. With James Clear book, The Atomic Habits, I realized that those two are completely wrong. Well, if not completely wrong, maybe they're 60 to 70 percent wrong. And that is the reason why I've had so much trouble building habits or losing weight. The reason is because, number one, when you focus so much on motivation, there are a lot of days in a year or a lot of days in a week or in a month wherein you are not motivated, but you have to keep going. Motivation is overrated. Motivation is a state of mind where you kind of like just put flowers and make you feel, make yourself feel happy temporarily. It's more like a band-aid solution to what really should happen. And that is why a lot of people think that it's, it is overrated. And for me, my big realization is that it is. It is definitely overrated. And I will explain to you in a bit. The second wrong concept I had was the end goal. I used to focus just on the end goal. A lot of people would even encourage you, right, to focus on the end goal. The thing is, when you focus on the end goal, we have a different goals. Each of our goal has different timelines. So we could have a goal that's achievable within a month. We could have a goal that's achievable within two months or a year or two years. The problem is if we have a really big goal and it's achievable, let's say in a year or two, the more we focus on that, the more we lose sight of our progress. Now, what's the problem there? The problem is when we lose sight of our progress, because we tend to focus so much on the end goal, we always just look at how far we are from the goal. So let's say our starting point is point A, and that is at zero kilometer. And then our end goal is at point B, and point B is 200 kilometers away. Now every day we walk for a few minutes, and at the end of the day we we're able to cover, let's say, 1.5 kilometers after 10 days, that would be a total of 15 kilometers covered. And then after 20 days, that's a total of 30 kilometers covered. After 30 days, that's 45 kilometers covered. The thing is, if we call the 45th kilometer as point C, where you are currently standing, if you think about it, the more you focus on point B, which is your end goal, and that's like 200 kilometers away, but if we um, deduct it with the 45 that you've already covered, so that is still 155 kilometers away. If you just focus yourself on that, you'd really can say to yourself that you still have a very long way to go. 
That means you still have a lot of days ahead of you to continuously walking. There's still a lot of kilometers ahead of you to keep going in order to reach your goal. But what you're potentially missing are the kilometers that you've already covered. This is the downside of just focusing on the end goal. You could feel frustration because you're still far away to go without realizing the huge progress that you've made from the starting point. For James Clear in his book, he mentioned three things that are important to help you build a new habit. Number one is for you to know the how. This is why motivation is not that necessary when it comes to building habits because you don't need to feel motivated. You just know, you just have to know the exact things that you need to do in order to build that habit. The how is very important because you could be thinking about so many things But then if you don't even know how or when or where to start, you can't really start. The second is it is important for you to break down your goals into micro goals. So instead of having one big end goal, break it down into smaller goals instead. That way you would feel accomplished every time you're able to reach a milestone. This could also be a good reminder for you that you are making progress towards your goal. Instead of really not seeing or not feeling anything towards achieving your goal. And the third tip he gave, which really made a huge impact to me, is the importance of your environment in helping you build your new habit. So for example, um, in losing weight, if what you can find around you are nothing but food... For example, you would find a lot of cookie jars in every corner in your fridge. You would find soda, chocolates, and other unhealthy food. Then subconsciously, what you are not really observing is that even if you're not hungry because you can see food and the food is very accessible to you and it's just within your reach, then you open the cookie jar and then eat something without you really noticing it because it is your subconscious mind that's doing it. This is why your environment is very important. The role of your environment is very important in building your new habit. So if you want to lose weight, what you have to do is keep all unhealthy food or at least make it, place it somewhere where you can't easily see them or you can't easily reach them. Fill your fridge with healthy options, healthy food. Maybe hide the chocolates or any any unhealthy food somewhere or at the back of the healthy ones like the fruits or anything like that. Now with podcasts, for example, I live in a studio condominium unit and right beside my ta- right beside my bed is my workstation, my podcast workstation. It has in there my acoustic panels and then my microphone, my laptop. So every time I wake up, before I go to bed, whatever I do, I can always see items that remind me about my podcast. And for me, this played a huge role in reminding me to create content, to think about your podcast, to record for your next episode, to edit your episode, you know, things like that. So the importance of the environment prompts or the things that would remind you about that habit is what you have to bank on in order for you to be able to really embrace a new habit or sustain embracing it. Now, whether this is a new idea or a new information for you, 
or it has already something that you know because maybe you've already read or listened to Atomic Habits by James Clear, I think that this is such a golden nugget and it's important to discuss it now because it's very timely considering my achievement in sustaining this podcast channel. So again, just to recap what I have shared so far, the three things are very important if you want to build a new habit would be knowing the how, Second is breaking down your goals into micro or smaller goals. And then third is making sure that your environment gives you prompts or reminders about this new habit that you're trying to build. Now that's out of the way, now that that realization is out of the way, I hope that you can kind of apply that to whatever situation you want to change or improve or any habit that you want to embrace, whether that's painting, creating content, um, learning or whatever that is. I hope that that information can help you. But for today's topic, we are going to talk about the last personality profile of bosses or the last personality profile in the DISC system. And that is the C, which stands for compliant. Now, today's title of the episode is how to deal with a highly process driven boss. This is why the title is highly process driven because this type of boss is very compliant. Meaning this type of boss can be described by the following words, cautious, perfectionist, analytical, systematic, careful, and orderly. Now, as usual, I'd like to share with you two important disclaimers every time we talk about personality profiles. First is that the words that we use to describe personality profiles does not mean or do not mean anything negative or positive. They're just mere words. Second is that every time I say something about that personality profile, it doesn't mean that it's 100% guaranteed or accurate. It only means that a boss with that specific type of personality is more likely to be that person or to possess that kind of quality or that kind of trait. Now that those two disclaimers are out of the way, I'm going to share with you the three talking points that we will be covering today's episode. Actually, this has been the same talking points since the very first time that we've talked about the personality profiles of bosses. So the first one are the strengths and weaknesses of the compliant boss. Second is my own personal experience working with a compliant boss. Actually, just a quick trivia. If you have a dominant profile, I think that usually you would have a hard time or a challenging time dealing with a compliant boss because in some way they very much contradict. And I will explain to you more about that in a bit. And then the last thing that we are going to talk about are the specific techniques to manage a high C boss. I know that you're excited to dive right into it, so... Let's just get going. As usual, we are going to start today's discussion with the strengths of this type of boss, followed by the common weaknesses of this profile. So the first one on my list is that a compliant boss tends to be able to carry out detailed action plan and verbalize steps. This is something admirable when it comes to these type of boss because they're very detail-oriented and whenever they give you a task, they can really give you a detailed instruction as to what to do from step one up to step 10. 
like exactly guide you through what you have to click, what you have to read, what you have to monitor, what you have to manipulate or to maneuver, things like that. It is very detailed that you won't really feel lost with the instructions because he has it already laid out for you. The second strength of this boss is that he is excellent at gathering detailed information and examples. So for example, if your boss is trying to teach you about something or train you about a new process or system in the company, before he presents you facts or figures as to where this specific system or process is based from or referenced from, you would notice that this boss would spend enough time researching and verifying every fact or every information that he would share to you because it is important for this boss to be accurate. The third strength of a compliant boss is that every decision he makes are made by gathering facts. What you can notice from this type of boss is that before making any decision, he makes a careful analysis and assessment of the situation by asking your reports, your own analysis, figures, numbers, data, even historical data and forecast anything like that, that could help him make a sound and accurate decision as to what is the best step. What these also means is that this type of boss doesn't rely his decisions on hearsays or gut feel or anything like that. It's all have to come from data. He allows, this boss allows numbers to speak for themselves. The fourth strength is that this boss adhere to rules, standards, procedures, and protocols. What you can notice is that this boss has so much respect to the rules and policies of the company that he would really try his best to stick to them, regardless of the situation. Sometimes, no matter how chaotic or how unusual the situation you're in, he would still try to acknowledge and respect the rules, even if it means that it would take longer for him to do necessary resolution or action. And the fifth strength of this boss is that he is excellent at quality control. I think this is something that you can really expect from someone who is very process-oriented or who's very particular with the steps and systems that you follow. Because for them, when you follow the system and you really stick by what is the standard procedure, you're expected to produce the same output based on how the standard procedure is made up or drafted. And this is the reason why this boss really has so much eye for details in regards to checking the quality of the output produced by its constituents. So those are the five strengths of a compliant boss or a compliant personality profile. Before we proceed with the weaknesses, by the way, if you haven't subscribed or followed me and this podcast on Spotify or Apple Podcasts or whichever podcast platform you're listening from, make sure that you do so that you don't miss out any new episodes that I release every Friday at 7 p.m. Philippine time. Now, moving on to the five weaknesses of a high C profile. The first one on my list is that a high C boss does not recognize team members as often as he should. Because this boss is so process-driven and very particular in following standard procedure, 
excellence or good output or good performance then is something that he really expects. Somehow it's kind of the minimum from his expectations. This means that if you're able to perform really well, it's something not unusual for him because in the first place, that is expected from you based on the standard operating procedure of the company. This is the reason why team members who work with a compliant boss don't really get a lot of recognitions or appreciation from a high C boss. The second weakness is that he may be perceived as a micromanager in the way he follows up on a project. Now, details is very important in a high C boss. Everything, reports, updates, meetings must have enough details that would satisfy him. This is why every time he asks for an update from someone, you can't just say everything is doing well or all good or everything is working fine. You can't just answer it with that. You have to provide details and that is the reason why people might perceive his way of asking for updates as micromanagement because he asks for more information. The third weakness is that this boss stick to the plan a little too much sometimes. Now, because this boss is very particular with the quality of the output that is being produced by its team or the company, that is the reason why they stick too much with the process or procedure. It would be challenging for him to bend rules or procedures or policies here and there because for him, it could mean that he might be compromising the quality of the output as well. The fourth weakness is that a high C boss can become overly defensive when faced with change or threats. Now, because they have so much respect and belief in the standard operating procedure and the standard workflow of the company, it would be challenging for them to change anything inside it because changing a certain process or system poses some risks, right? Because you are not 100% sure that it could work. As they say, any change in the system or workflow could work or could not work. Now, this type of boss can't afford even regardless of how small the percentage is of that change to not work out. This is why it is so hard for them to change any routine or system that they've already become comfortable at. And this is also the reason why be they become defensive every time someone proposes change in the system. And the fifth weakness of this type of boss is that he wants to get things done right the first time time. Now, some personality profiles of bosses allow you to learn as you go and commit mistakes here and there because as they say, that's actually how you improve and how you learn better. But for this type of boss, because he's so particular with process, he's so particular with quality of output, it could be extra disappointing for him when someone can't get things right the first time which is why it is important that if there is anything that's confusing with instructions, instead of moving ahead and kind of just playing it by ear, you have to put everything on hold and then clarify that specific instruction that's confusing with a boss or with anyone who has extreme knowledge in that area before proceeding. Otherwise, if the output is mediocre, it could really disappoint him. 
Now, apart from those five strengths and weaknesses of this personality profile, what you can also observe is that a compliant boss is someone who can come across as critical of others, especially because they have very high standards um, of output that they expect from everyone. They have the tendency to focus on finding mistakes on the delivery or the performance of those people around them. Also, because it is very important for them to be accurate and correct when it comes to decision making, it slows the decision making process down. Which means that if you need the boss to decide on something very urgently, he would still find time to assess reports, data, numbers, and all those sort of things before making up his mind. Another thing that you can really observe from a high C boss is that they tend to ask a lot of why questions. Why does it work this way? Why is this step needed? Why do we have to make this decision? Why do we have to spend so much for this project? So every time you propose something to this type of boss, he would ask more whys than maybe the average leaders or than most people inside that boardroom. And the reason is because going back to what I have mentioned earlier, this type of boss tends to be very critical with information and it is also very important for him to be accurate when making a decision. One famous leader with this type of personality profile is the brilliant mind behind Microsoft, Bill Gates. So as all of you may already know, Bill Gates is an American business magnate, a software developer, an investor, and a philanthropist. Now, Bill Gates, as a leader, is actually someone who would request his employees to present and report out their ideas and findings to him on a regular basis. But during these meetings, he was known to regularly interrupt in order to question and challenge facts and assumptions. This is where the natural trait of AC comes in, wherein they tend to ask more why question and, you know, be very critical of every single information that is handed over to them. So Bill Gates' leadership style is actually called authoritarian or also known as autocratic. Now, one thing that is very evident with authoritarian leaders is that they want to keep control. If there is anything that they don't want to lose, that is control. They want to always be in charge. In fact, with Bill Gates, he required so much control that he would even sign off expenses of the person who is second in command of the company, who was um, Steve Ballmer. Now, this type of leadership obviously has its own set of advantages and disadvantages. The first advantage of this type of leadership style is that it is good for inexperienced team members because of the ability of this type of boss to guide team members every step of the way. It allows them to feel supported and to have really detailed instruction and information as to what they need to do from step one, step two, step three, and they won't really feel lost along the way. The second advantage is that Decision-making is very rapid because only one person is calling the shots or making decisions. It would be easier for that person to make decisions and weigh out options and decide on things because he doesn't have to seek for approval from any organization or any association or any other team member or executive. 
Now, the third advantage of this type of leadership style is that it is really good in managing crisis. This is why a lot of leaders of country, different countries ask for a special power in times of crisis, and that is to have full control of everything that's going on in the country. Because when one person has full control of everything, it is easier to make decisions to um, maneuver every resources of the country or the company and to just handle everything with ease because everything just goes through him. Now, there are equal disadvantages of this type of leadership style, though. And the first one is that there would be leader dependence. Now, because the leader is the one giving everyone spoon feeding people of the things that they really have to do um, every step of the way, then these people would be very dependent on the leader and may not be able to think on their own or make decisions on their own out of what they know and based on their experience. The second disadvantage is lack of trust. People would feel that this type of boss doesn't trust them because the boss is only the one making decisions. That means he's not really trusting anyone to make any objective and sound decision apart from himself. And you know how lack of trust makes people feel like it can really demotivate them and it could also lower their morale as an employee. The third disadvantage is it could make other people feel like they're micromanaged. And a lot of people really don't function well when they are micromanaged. It doesn't feel right when you feel like you're under a microscope and someone is just constantly looking over you and watching your every move. And that is why with this type of leadership style, those people who tend to be adventurous and who want autonomy and who want freedom in the way they work and the way they think and they make decisions, it would be extremely challenging for them. Now, considering the common traits and strengths and weaknesses of this type of personality profile, the common roles of a compliant profile or this type of bosses are accountants, engineers, analysts, or programmers. So going back to my short description of Bill Gates, you've heard that he's actually a software developer, which makes sense that he has a C or a compliant profile. Now, the reason is very obvious because these type of roles, accountant, engineers, analyst, programmer, they all have one thing in common, and that is they all need attention to details. And that is definitely one thing that a compliant profile has, their attention to details details and also how they just stick to standard procedures or processes. As for my personal experience working directly with high C bosses, actually I have worked with a number of high C bosses and a number of high C colleagues too. Now what I notice is that there are three things I really like working with this type of profile. Number one is because they're very detailed in giving out instructions. And I really like it because then it gives you kind of an assurance that you can't really miss on anything because of how detailed the instruction is. Second is they're very objective. And so they're not really afraid to make difficult decisions. As mentioned, they base their decision on facts and numbers and figures and reports. And so even if they have to make a difficult decision, let's say, to let go of a certain supplier or a certain employee who's underperforming, they can really confidently do that as long as it's backed by data. And then the third thing that I really like with this type of boss is they really respect and follow process, which is very convenient for me, especially if I'm introducing new systems to follow. You know that you'd have the confidence that when you introduce a new system, 
they would be this type of boss would really respect that and really follow through and would really try as much as possible to follow the steps from the very beginning up to the very end. Now, my struggle working with this type of boss, though, is that they don't bend rules. As someone with a dominant profile, so a dominant profile is a person who really loves to take risks and have adventure from time to time, it's kind of difficult for me to work directly with a high C boss because they really stick to procedures and what is the norm or what is the usual process. And so you know that there are really certain times when we have to bend the rules, right? And just play around it and kind of experiment if ever we find a better way to do things. With a high C boss, he really would prefer to stick to the process. It's like his mantra is, don't reinvent the wheel if it's working. <laughs> like you just have to stick to it as long as it's working. Now, the second struggle I have working with a high C boss is they can be too critical. As mentioned, if you propose a new way of doing things. It would ask a lot of whys. You would have to present a lot of data to back your proposal. You would have to prepare about everything. Like it can't be as simple as I just want to propose a new system of doing things because maybe other companies are doing it better and maybe we discover along the way that this is actually the best way to do it. So no, they won't. You can't sell them an idea that way. You really have to back everything with information and reports and numbers and data. The third struggle I have working with this boss is they're not much of a risk taker. This one is very closely related to them not being able to bend rules. So because they don't want to bend rules, they don't really take a lot of risks when it comes to business decisions and in running the company. They just, again, they just really want to stick to the process and what has been the norm of the business for a long time. Now, let me know if you can connect or resonate with those struggles that I have shared with you in regards to reporting directly with a high C profile or a compliant boss, or if you ever feel like you are that type of person, especially if you're an empowered follower with a high C profile, because, you know, it's just works very the same anyway, like whether you're a leader or you're an empowered follower, we all have the same strengths and weaknesses based on our personality profile. So now moving on after understanding all the weaknesses, the strengths of this type of personality, we have to talk about what are the specific techniques then in managing this type of boss. Now, when we manage this type of boss, we have to make sure that the techniques we embrace are the things that would really help us make things easier and more productively. So I have here five do's and five don'ts when working with this type of boss. Now, as usual, we will start with the five things that you have to do when you are working with a compliant boss. And the first one on my list is that you have to prepare to answer a lot of whys. Now, in every meeting that you attend to or every time you have a conversation or a discussion with this type of boss, you have to prepare for whys. Now, how are you going to prepare for that? Whenever you, let's say, present a new report or the performance of the company for the past month, you have to anticipate all the possible whys from this type of boss. Let's say, why do we have such numbers? What is the reason why there is a decrease in the number? What is the reason why there is an increase in the number? And then your answer to that should be also questioned with another why. It's more like the root cause analysis setup where you ask a lot of whys in every question that you throw that will really prepare you and equip you to answer potential questions coming from this type of boss. The second do is that you have to back up 
every suggestion with data. As mentioned, every time you propose something to the boss, regardless of how beautiful it is or how idealistic it is or how much savings the company can get from it, you can't just propose it as is. You have to back it up with data and information and historical um, data from the company or anything that is backed up with numbers. Because for this type of boss, nothing can convince them better but numbers. As mentioned earlier, for them, they allow the numbers to speak for themselves. And that is why it's important for you to prepare all the numbers, the reports necessary to convince this type of boss. The third do is for you to be as detailed as possible in reports, updates, or proposal. Now, unlike the dominant bosses and the influencer bosses, with this type of boss, you have to make sure that your reports are packed with data. Regardless of how long your email would be or your report or your presentation would be, that is completely fine. It's better for you to be extra with the details and the information that you include in your updates than to lack anything from it because this boss would be very critical in your report. The fourth tip that I have here on my list is that you have to learn to decode your boss's kudos. Now, I have mentioned to you earlier that a compliant boss tends to forget to recognize its team members because he just expects everyone to, to deliver a high standard quality of output or to strictly follow the standard operating procedure. And so there are times when he would forget to recognize their efforts or the, the hard work and dedication that they put in for the work. Which is why it's important for you to pinpoint or to be able to decode the actions, the gestures, or the words of your boss as something that is equivalent to well done without that boss really saying those words out loud. For example, if you send in the report on time and the boss responds with thank you for sending the report on time, then that actually means you can actually interpret that as a job well done because you were able to stick to the standard operating procedure, which is to send that report on a specific time. And so you don't really necessarily have to wait for him to really say those words as good job or well done or kudos or you've done an amazing output or report. It doesn't have to really sound that way, but you just have to decode the words that he used and how he expresses his appreciation of your output and you sticking to the procedure. The last tip I have here is for you to make sure to double or triple check your output. Now, as mentioned, this type of boss is very particular with the quality of output that they receive and they're so particular that everything that they get is very accurate or correct which is why it's important for you to do double checking or triple checking on every single thing that you send out to this boss. Before you send them out to him, you have to really review everything and make sure that you are feeding him the right information and data. And as for the five things that you should not do when you are working with a high C boss, the first one here is don't miss deadlines. Deadlines are very important to this type of boss because for him, it's like your commitment to them. A deadline isn't just a date or a time that you're expected to submit the output that he expects from you. It's also kind of your commitment. It speaks so much of who you are and your character. And that is why they're very particular with deadlines. Make sure that if he sets one for your task or deliverable, you're really able to submit it on time, on or before time. The second big no-no for this type of boss is 
you sending a half-baked output. Now, I know that a lot of people don't really send one, but I also know some people who would send something even if it's just a half-baked output just for the sake of being able to send something as an update. Now, what you have to remember when you're working closely with this type of boss is they're very particular with quality. And regardless if it's just a draft or the first draft or a version that's supposed to go through a lot of revisions you still have to be able to give them something that is of higher quality. Now, if you send them something that is half-baked and then use the excuse that this is just the first draft and it will go through a lot of changes and improvements, then you are actually setting the wrong impression to this boss and you are just tarnishing your image to this boss. Make sure that if you can't really do it on time, then give a heads up and then make him understand what are the reasons why you can't submit it rather than forward something that is half-baked. The third big no-no is you asking for decisions from this boss at the last minute. Now, I have mentioned to you earlier that this type of boss takes so much time and consideration when making decisions. This is why you can't just pop in and tell this boss that, hey, I need your decision in, in a minute or in a second. You have to give them or to give this boss enough time to think about what you are asking from him and to decide. Or if you're asking him, let's say, for example, like the, the example that we mentioned last week, if you need his decision on the final branding of the company, you can't just ask him that and then expect him to decide in just 10 minutes. He needs a lot of time to think about everything because as mentioned, he wants that his every decision is accurate. He, he isn't a risk taker. He doesn't want adventure. He wants everything smooth and accurate. And so you have to give this boss enough time to think and assess. The fourth big no-no is when you are too sensitive. Don't be too sensitive when you are working with this boss. Now, I mentioned to you that this type of boss, because... He is very particular with process and systems. He really speaks his mind based on what is in the process or in the workflow of the company. That means that if he's not happy with your output, he will really say it to you. If you're the type of person he easily gets offended by that, you have to prepare yourself for real talk from this boss because he will definitely tell you things that you don't want to hear but are but are objective though. Like it's not something out of emotion. It's something that is really objective and just based on what the company expects from you. The thing that you just have to remember is he doesn't sugarcoat his words. And that is why you have to prepare yourself to also be able to manage your emotions and take in constructive feedback as much as possible. And the last big no-no is don't come to meetings unprepared. Now, I have shared with you like an example when, I, when we were talking about Bill Gates, this type of boss, a compliant boss, is someone who really loves to be very critical on proposals, suggestions, reports, meetings, all those sort of things. You have to make sure then that you come in prepared. You know everything, you've understood the data, you've reviewed it. You have verified that all the figures and numbers in there are correct and you have anticipated potential questions coming from him or colleagues or the other supervisors and managers who are attending the meeting. Another thing that you have to remember when you're working closely with this type of boss is that he can easily sense when you attend the meeting, when you came in unprepared. 
That is why it is very important for you to spend enough time reviewing every single report, every single update that you have on hand. Because the more that he can sense that you came in unprepared, the more that he would try to throw questions to you, very critical questions and complicated questions that would really put you in the spotlight. So to recap the five do's and don'ts when dealing with this type of boss, we have here the five do's are the following. Be prepared to answer a lot of whys. Second is back up every suggestion with data. Third, be as detailed as possible on reports, updates, or proposal. Fourth, learn to decode your boss's kudos or well done. And five is double or triple check your output. Now for the five big no-nos or five don'ts when dealing with this boss are the following. First is don't miss deadlines. Second, don't send a half-baked output. Third, don't ask for decisions at the last minute. Fourth, don't be sensitive. And the last one is don't come to meetings unprepared. And that's it. We have completed discussing the four types of bosses or the four personality profiles based on the DISC system. Now, as they say, knowledge is information and wisdom is application. You have now to apply everything that you've learned from the past few weeks about the types of bosses, their strengths and weaknesses, and how to deal with them into the real world and really look at every single boss or client that you interact with and try to assess their personality profile so that you can put these techniques that we have been discussing for the past four weeks into action. I'd say that you have to congratulate yourself for really spending time and effort into understanding these personality profiles. And trust me, these basic information can really help you manage your boss. If you have enjoyed today's episode and the previous discussions we had in the past weeks, don't forget to leave a review on Apple Podcasts. It will tremendously help this podcast to reach as many people as possible, especially those who need tips and advices on how to manage their boss. Also, if you're not yet connected on social media, make sure to follow me. My Instagram handle is workyourway underscore up. And you can also search me on Facebook. Just search for workyourwayup. Lastly, don't forget to subscribe or follow this podcast channel if you're listening on Spotify or Apple Podcasts or whatever platform you're listening from and then there's an option for you to subscribe or follow. That way, you won't miss any new episode that I release. But what you can also do is to put on a reminder on your calendar or on your phone and then just remember that I release a new episode every week, every Friday at 7 p.m. Philippine time. Next week's topic is something different. We're not talking about personality profiles anymore because I assume that that is all covered and that you have a good understanding of each type of boss. So we will now move on to the next very important thing that us empowered followers should know. And that is how to make ourselves indispensable. Now, this is actually a suggestion I got when I posted an Instagram story a few days back where I asked everyone, what is the next topic that they want me to cover? And so one of my followers responded with this, how to make yourself indispensable. And I find that this is such a timely topic to talk about considering the pandemic that is going on right now in the world. 
as you know, a lot of companies are laying off. A lot of companies are cutting their workforce into half or reducing their number of employees. We have to make sure that we are equipping ourselves to be someone whom any company can't really dispense or let go anytime, regardless if there is a pandemic or anything like that. So we will talk about what you have to have to become an indispensable, empowered follower. If that is something that interests you or you think that a friend of yours or someone you know would be interested in this topic, don't forget to let them know about this so that they can also stay tuned for next week's episode. Thank you so much, everyone, for tuning in to today's episode. And before I let you go, I would like to leave you with this quote. The capacity to learn is a gift. The ability to learn is a skill. The willingness to learn is a choice. Thank you all and see you next time.